cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of June 2009. For newcomers, I've always told them in the past to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website where they can download hundreds of hours of talks that I've given over the years for free. But uh, because of the problems I'm getting with Yahoo, which is an incredible runaround as they try to basically pull off the comm site, and they have no, obviously, legal basis to do it, especially with not accepted payment already. And up the disk space, without giving me the disk space, the site is just sitting as it is. So you'll, go, you'll get transferred to cuttingthrough.jenkins.com. In the meantime, and people should take notes of these sites, because who knows what will happen in the future. The sequence to cuttingthrough.jenkins.com or cuttingthroughthematrix.net cuttingthroughthematrix.us, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca, or alanwattsentinel.eu. The EU site has all of the same audios that's on the other sites, plus it has transcripts of them you can download for print-up, written in the various languages of Europe. And as I say, I appreciate those people who donate once in a while. That keeps me going because putting more sites up to take care of what's obviously going to be problems then someone's put the word out from the top uh, then it takes money to keep these kind of sites going so I appreciate those people who do donate there's not many people do donate they're generally the same people over and over thousands and thousands listen uh, I'm linked up uh, my name's on millions of websites across the planet but only the same old people donate all the time, so it's time for people to help out if they want this kind of information put out to them. This is a full-time, seven-day-a-week job, basically. From morning till night, a lot goes into it, and dealing with people, emails, all the rest of this kind of stuff I have to do. And eventually it will not be there. It's as simple as that. It won't be there. One day it'll be gone. And when information goes, you're left with what's usually put out there for to take over. They'll bring you back into religion where all the sects fight each other or pointing fingers at different groups, etc. And it's just them sort of scenario. That's how Patriot Radio was for years and years in the past. And it kept everybody in their box. It kept everyone in confusion. So it's up to you to keep me going. Now, for those who get disburned off the talks and don't bother with the computer, and I say my heart goes out to them, I don't blame them at all. The temporary thing, the computer system, as it is, is a temporary hook to get everyone on it. And when they change it over to the new system, they're hoping, and they, they're, they're quite, they know, they know through predictability studies that most folk will just go over to the new system where you have mainstream, mainline, regular news, and so on and continue giving out all your data, because that's the purpose of it. 
to monitor every individual on the planet. But for those of you that just burned, you can write to me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estere, Ontario, Canada. Estere is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1. And remember, you can donate on my site as well through PayPal or send personal checks from Canada or within the U.S. And I'll be back with more of this after these messages. Through the Matrix, just explaining my problems with Yahoo. I've spoken to different people there over the last week and a half. Everyone promises to get back within 24 hours to at least detail what problems they have. No one ever has. And I'm getting the runaround there, which tells you, as I say, that someone higher up has put the word in to give me a hassle. At first, they pulled the .NET site. And then the following night, they pulled the .com, left what was up there, down to a reduced 7 gigs from 9.5, even though the plan had been changed and accepted and we had been working on unlimited disk space. And I can't figure out why this has happened. It's gone backwards. And I can't figure out how I can do the, the full restore. I can't figure these amazing... Pr- I'm the only person on the planet right now that they can't get their job rectified, they can't do it. It's such a a unique problem, obviously. But I have conversations off these talks, and I put them into a comedy series one day and play it on the air to show you what you get if you're saying the right things, because it must have been something I said, was it, in the past? It brought all this on, heaven forbid. But that's, as I say, what you get when you're not going along with the the plan, you might say. So remember those sites, and when you go into the .com, you will be transferred to cutting through the matrix, or cutting through .jenkins.com, and you should download as much as you can at the moment while you get the chance, or go directly to the other sites, cutting through the matrix.net, .us, .ca, or alanwattsentinel.eu. If you get problems getting through on the transfer for the com to the Jenkins, go straight into cuttingthroughmatrix.net, USCA, or alanwattsentinel.eu. Sometimes you have to reload if a lot of people are going in at the same time. Yesterday I mentioned the fact that France had basically decided to inoculate all the citizens uh, against this coming, but you're sure, swine flu pandemic. It's amazing, as I say, just think back to before 2001 and how we were sort of gradually led along through the 70s, the 80s, and 90s. Not much was happening, even during the, the Cold War era, really. Not a lot was happening back home. 
And we did notice industry leaving shores in different countries before they left Canada and the U.S. Britain was already deindustrializing back in the 70s and 80s. And then we find out back in the late 90s, once the EU Parliament is up, that that was part of the deal uh, of, of the EU. That in 1948, they'd set up the whole agenda, set up the bureaucracies to lie to the public and to deindustrialize the country, because this plan is a very, very old plan. And then it was the same to do with the US, Canada, and the rest of the world. They already knew back in the 1930s they'd set up China to be the manufacturer of the world. Quite astonishing, isn't it? So every generation is lied to, like children. For your own good, you understand, because, you see, you just can't understand the bigger picture and the necessities that people have to implement to make us all go along on the right path. And the intelligentsia always know what the right path happens to be. I was thinking today about the term liberal because the liberal term, you can understand, it comes from life, really, life. And when Khrushchev was asked about the Communist Party in America, when he was visiting the U.S., he said, well, here we don't call them communists, we call them liberal. And that got me thinking, because if you go into the Fabian Society and all of its members, and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and then people they put forth that became the CFR, comes from foreign relations, the ones who drafted up, the, the amalgamations for the whole of Europe and worked on it, the ones who have drafted up for the amalgamation of the Americas and came out on national television in Canada, the CFR, as the CFR, admitting it and boasting about it. They always call themselves liberal for life. And when you go into the books put out by the big intelligentsia, of each generation, they all belong to the same groups, and they describe themselves as liberal. Now, most folk think that's a party, a political party, and so they give you a political party to, to tick you off what they really, really mean. If it's about life, you have to read the books put out by the Huxleys and by H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells wrote, wrote Utopia, a book supposedly about the future and how you'd have a stroll through this utopia, and in the book, he tells you why these liberal-type people, the intelligentsia, would have to, through various means, take over the world and reduce the population, get rid of all the, the wrong sorts, the, the type that literally had been stuck in evolution, all the ones at the bottom. And included in all the ones in the bottom were the masses of the working classes that he realized they wouldn't need when they went through up into a post-industrial era. Very pragmatic, you see, from his point of view. Because under the liberal disguise is Darwinism. And Darwinism believes in survival of the fittest. And really that's who H.G. Wells was sent out to help recruit for the next generation, those who'd read, read his books and his, non, his fiction and non-fiction books and get drawn in and captivated with the idea of creating this utopia of intelligentsia and an, intel an intelligentsia with virtue. They always mention virtue. The peasants don't have any, apparently. And uh, how they'd have to come through these stages, generation by generation, to create a perfect, small utopia. 
So he really outlines it more, how they would get there, including the sterilization, mandatory sterilization of uh, those who were inferior. H.G. Uh, Wells praised Stalin initially, uh, and he went over and visited him many times. He also left his son to study with Pavlov, that was one of Wells' heroes, because they were using science to control all the children, to get a form of mind control in all the schools for behavior modification. FDR's wife, in fact, also went over to see the Soviet Union. She, she visited Pavlov. She also mentioned that was her hero. And she was so impressed with the well-behaved manners of the Soviets as they uh, drolled off to school every morning and file. She says they didn't speak to each other. They'd be sullen by American standards, not jumping over the place and laughing. But she says they were so well-behaved. She really thought that was fantastic. Anyway, H.G. Wells also uh, saw Hitler too. Because remember, communism and socialism are both socialist policies, which is again the technique that the liberals use. And remember, the true meaning of liberal, not the party itself. People fall into parties and like to categorize themselves. Well, you don't put yourself in a box if you want to think and understand what's really happening. But through this disguise of liberalism, it heads eventually to a scientific dictatorship, the type that Huxley, both Julian and Aldo, spoke about that would be brought into force. And we're seeing it today. And Lord Bertrand Russell also mentioned that, that the world would be run by experts and they'd have to be totalitarian. They couldn't just coerce and, and cajole people into behaving and following all the new rules and laws. They'd have to use force eventually on the public. Uh, but before that era came in, they'd have to use all tactics, inc including fake panics, panics, crisis creation. Getting back to 2001, look at the world before it, look what's happened since. We've had one fake crisis after another, so much so that every government across the planet that's in on this agenda, and pretty well every one of them is, uh, they, they, they have given themselves total powers to watch every single person. Total information network, they call it. Total means every word you utter, write, fax, whatever, email. Because in a totalitarian society, everyone must be predictable. Now getting back to, jumping back to H.G. Wells and in other, others of his ilk, they're all in the same club, remember, the Fabian technique. And the Fabian technique was to take over socialism and implement it not through a singular revolution like this communist did, but to do it intergenerationally, take over government, expand all of its premises and, and areas into every facet of every individual's life. And they have succeeded in the open today. The crisis of 2001, September 11th, was the kickoff date for the full implementation of the last part of the takeover. That is what Papa Bush talked about 10 years before on September the 11th for 2001 when he gave his speech about the New World Order coming into view. Under law, he said, and no one ever questions, what does this man mean? Please define 
Whose law? No one asks questions. It's a totalitarian system. And I always think back to Lord Bertrand Russell, who wrote in one of his books that it would also use other techniques to control the masses. He was talking about fertility and IQ, or even your ability to rebel. He said we shall use the needle, the needle meaning inoculations. And what's the current rage right now? Inoculations for everything. Suddenly, they just know the swine flu, a name that Israel won't use because it's offensive. It's going to wipe out millions of people. Maybe. And I'll be back with more on this story after these messages. through the matrix just discussing how crisis creation works in a particular area in a direction which happens to be a plan and remembering too and I've given lots of talks in the past to do with the big military industrial complex and the big laboratories that are all part of it you understand the powers that be at the top they can't tell the children what they're doing to them especially when it's something that would offend them like mightily to do with their lives or sterilization or whatever it happens to be they simply go ahead and do it other, under other guises it's for the greater good to call that's what they say to themselves it's for the greater good and the poor people wouldn't understand used to have people in South African countries that would say that about the blacks you know the children you can't tell them this and tell them that you treat them like children well you see that attitude is used across the whole world today by these ultra liberals intelligentsia the ones are all on board to create this wonderful zeitgeist zeitgeist addendum this lovely little utopia this shrunken utopia where a big world will be available for the few to play in you know the, the better types will survive they're the ones this don't tell you in zeitgeist how they're going to get from here to there imagination and give you a utopic idea an imaginary idea but they don't tell you how and of course each person who falls for it thinks well I guess I'll be one of those who are chosen even though Julian Huxley the first CEO of UNESCO said himself in his own book and I've read it on the air says many will think that they're fit to come through into this new society but they'll be sadly mistaken even lots of the workers work hard and feverishly for their masters hoping to become a master won't get in either they'll be disposed of along the way but getting back to the needle and the fact that France has already been the first one to say they're going to do mandatory inoculations now now you'll find all the countries and they've used this technique for the last 15 years that I've noticed well they're doing it in France so what's wrong with us doing it here as well if they were cutting the heads off the citizens in France should we cut the heads off the citizens here that's my answer to that we are not France but here's an article here from the Mail Online the 1st of June 2009 a swine flu pandemic is likely to hit Britain in the autumn an expert has warned the exact same thing as they said in the French paper and I had the link up there last night so far there has been a relatively low total of 244 confirmed cases in this country. Now remember, 
there's other reporters in the same papers and others who've said that it amounts to nothing more than the sniffles, so much so that they're not even sure if they've actually even got a head cold. That's the severity of it. But back to crisis creation, what, is the, what do the facts matter? It says children going back to school, universities reopening, and workers returning after the summer break would give swine flu the opportunity it needs, he said. This is Professor John Oxford. And so he's, he's given an intelligence to something that's supposed to be absolutely dumb. However, a vaccine may not be ready until October or November after the pandemic strikes and would only cover about 15% of the population, the professor warned. That's to hype it up even more, you see, so that when they say it's free, everyone's going to stampede for the shots. At Eton yesterday, a further 32 swine flu cases were reported. The school's been forced to close for a week without pupils having to take exams in controlled conditions. I used to love that at school because it'd send you home. Fantastic. It was like a snowstorm. You just didn't go to school. And Wales reported its first case of the disease, a 31-year-old man, Philly, who picked up the virus during a trip to the U.S. I hope he's got plenty of handkerchiefs. He won't need many. Professor Oxford, a virologist at Barts Hospital, Central London, said yesterday, at the moment it's moving fairly quietly in the community. No kidding. You can hardly hear a sneeze. But when children go back to school in September... The virus has an opportunity and normally takes it. That's the scenario we should prepare for, and that's what we are preparing for. I, it can die down. I like the terminology. But then everybody around the world comes back together. Universities reopen and people start returning to work and school, and that's when the trouble starts. He added, already sporadic cases in the UK have been shown that are not linked with cases that have travelled. It's happened in all the countries. How come you get spontaneous ones cropping up when no one's left the country? That does suggest the virus is silently spreading around its stealth. This is a very intelligent virus. Professor Oxford warned that the virus would increase in strength as it spread, but good hygiene, minimizing human contact, antivirals, and it mentions the ones that don't work, and ultimately the vaccine can slow the spread. But they have no proof because, you know, something they've never given us a study to show us that flu shots have ever worked. On the contrary, we're always told in the spring that they picked the wrong strains to put together in the shots. They declare this every single year. But here they're at it again, you see, is to hype this up. Never mind the financial benefit to the big pharma companies. They're going by their own theories, you see. It makes no sense at all because viruses and the flu virus are supposedly always mutating. That's why they say they can't cure something like AIDS. They said that right off the bat after they had billions of dollars thrown at them. They said we can't actually do that because for every person a virus enters, it carries DNA from the previous victim and when it leaves your body, it's already altered that and can snap some of your DNA up so it's got a different composition once again. So you can't get a strain that will work. That's what they said. Well, how come they're telling us this is going to be a winner? It's all BS, that's why. I'll be back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
was, and this is cutting through the matrix. Discussing some of the agenda. The agenda that has many different faces, but it's all the same thing, really. I've talked before about Charles Darwin and how he'd already, he was a byproduct of many generations of inbreeding from the Darwins and one other family. Generation after generation, they were already doing that back in his time. Remember, too, that the Huxleys were also related to the Darwins, too. All these big people were related to the same people who were interbreeding. They were interbreeding because they believed, like Plato said, that intelligence was simply passed on, and you had a better chance of passing it on if you had the parents chosen, basically, from two better types of families, ones who'd succeeded financially, held on to power and money through generations. And selective breeding was the, was the key to it all, special selection of the breeding partners. And out of it came this massive movement down through the ages to here we are at the present time. They used all different terms rather than eugenics for the world's ills, although they keep telling us there's too many people, too many people from the United Nations all the way down to our national leaders, too many people, too many people. What do they mean by that? They mean too many of the wrong sort of people. That's what they're trying to tell you. As say, H.G. Wells was taught, picked up, and taught for his whole career by the grandfather of the Huxleys, Sir Thomas Huxley. He was taught in the Red School, they called it the Red Tie School. Each member was given the color, uh, that tie, it was a red in color, for revolution. And there's to be a liberal, socialist, Darwinistic revolution. Socialism get reared up with Mussolini in Italy. They called it fascism there, and that has how people get thrown off by the terminology that they use. It was still socialism. Mussolini had run the Italian socialist newspaper. He was the editor for years. He had a lot of input into Adolf Hitler as to how to be fascist in Germany. They called it Nazi. As I say, many, many of these big players, including Wells himself, was running from Stalin to Hitler to Mussolini because they were all socialist and forward-looking with their agenda. Where the intelligentsia and the scientific communities would take over their natural rights to rule and dictate to the people, democracy was to go. Now, I've also mentioned before that Margaret Thatcher talked about belonging now, once you left politics, at least uh, as a prime minister, she went to the House of Lords. But she said on her tour, the tour was called, by the way, the New World Order, that was the title of her talks. She said, I belong to the parallel government because democracy is too cumbersome and nothing can get done. She says, but we of the parallel government, all ex-prime ministers, presidents, high-level bureaucrats across the world all know each other and we can get things done and bypass the public stare and criticism. Carl Quigley, in his book, Tragedy and Hope, stated the same thing about the Council on Foreign Relations. That was their purpose, to bypass democracy. 
Many others have said the same thing too. I've read from the Club of Rome's own book, one of the big think tanks, the ones who dreamed up the idea of global warming and admitted too in that book, The First Global Revolution, they said that democracy was too cumbersome, too many conflicting parties, and therefore there had to be another way, a parallel government. Well, it's been here all along. And it was set up a long time ago. And how do you set up a government that would take over the world? Well, first you must become the master of finance across the planet. And if you think the Rothschilds were self-made men, well, I could go on about Pocahontas, but I won't. But the fact is, these people were all set up by already established massive organizations to put them up front. And nothing has changed to the present day. Anyone who gets up there in the big world to change our lives has been brought up there. Not, he didn't work his way up, fight his way up. You cannot fight a powerful force like this to either open the door and let you in or not at all. It's like the Matrix movie when Neo, and it is full of their symbolism, the Matrix movie, when Neo is flushed out of his little cocoon where he was a battery basically into the water, the, the fluid, you see the door opening above him and the big metallic arm comes down and grabs him and picks him up, takes him through the light, of course, into the real world. That's how it happens. You're picked out and you're brought up, given your role, and you will stick to it. Then you become a philanthropist because you must pay a lot of that money back because your masters, remember, say that the workman deserves his wages. So the ones who work to get you up there must get paid back. You become a philanthropist, exactly what Adam Weishaupt talked about. Through philanthropy, they would bypass democracy or this whole idea that people had a voice and they would guide the people. Same thing as the Pope of Freemasonry said, Albert Pike, in his own book, Morals and Dogma. He said, we shall become, by using finance, commerce, and the stock market, it is every means possible, meaning manipulation. He says, we shall become masters over the masters of the world. And what they all have in common, too, was to be the end of private property. A socialist utopia with a natural elite, though, living a lot better than the rest. And their lovely big glass domes. That's what it's all about, elitism. Never be confused by terms, fascism, communism, socialism. It's about an elite ruling the rest in the way that they deem fit due to their superior intelligence, according to themselves. And it's amazing how they can just dig up all this money to throw at big pharma companies for useless inoculations, unless there's another reason for the inoculations. Always bear that in mind. What is it really intended to do? Can you analyze it? Can your own doctor analyze it? Everything is taken on faith, including the guys that jab you in the arm with it. Meanwhile, they can't even give you a decent hospital care in these countries that are throwing millions and millions of dollars and pounds as well in Britain at these pharma companies. Here's an example of the socialist medical system. I think Canada said last year they spent 40 million or something like that, I read it on the air from, a, from a, one of their newspapers, on propaganda to convince the public they have a fantastic medical system. 
Meanwhile, you can't get a doctor. You have these clinics all over the place. You walk in, they can't even keep the doctors there. Don't know who you are. They'll never see you again because they won't be there if you go back again. You're just a the figure with the number. You give your number when you walk in this big card, like a cow standing there waiting to get picked up at the market. Dehumanization. He's from Britain, from the Telegraph. Rao was terminally ill woman given bed in hospital bathroom. This is the this is the, the, the this is from Britain, and I just read the article. They're going to spend millions on buying this farcical flu shot. Health services ma- uh, managers engaged in bitter argument over who was to blame after a terminally ill woman was forced to stay in a hospital bathroom by Laura Donnelly. 30th of May 2009. Correspondence between the head of a Liverpool hospital and the chief executive of the local ambulance service reveals angry attempts to blame one another for failings which meant dementia patient Gladys Johns was left in a bed wedged between a bath and a commode. And it goes on and on and on about this. But there's hundreds of stories like that come out of the countries that have this threadbare socialist medical system. Now remember what the United Nations said. They will make it mandatory that everyone in the world has at least minimum health care. That is the agenda. But of course, it's a different agenda for those who are helping and working for the agenda. Back in the, the 80s, I wondered why all the politicians in Canada, Britain, and elsewhere, no doubt in the States at the same time, little articles in the paper came out. The politicians were to be given special treatment, be in their families, in top army hospitals. Meanwhile, they were telling us, as I say, by all the money they were blowing at propaganda, how wonderful our, our health care system was as it was going right down the tubes. You can see what kind of world they're bringing in. Actually, they brought it in, to be honest with you. It's already here. If you're the right person, you'll have no problem getting good medical treatment. Remember, in Britain, they already categorize you when you walk in the door according to your value of to society. And if you have a heart problem and three guys have an arrest at the same time in a ward, you're told who to resuscitate and who not to in a priority level according to their need to society how valuable you are to society. That is socialized medicine. It's a political regime that runs it. And that's what socialized medicine is all about, a political agenda. You can walk in and get a vasectomy, no problem at all, or even a hysterectomy for that matter. But if you have anything that's disabling, that you need to get fixed, tough cheese, a political agenda. That's the real world that we live in, and that's what's to be put across the whole planet. As you spend millions and millions of pounds or dollars on farcical supposed flu shots, and there's been enough bad reactions to the flu shots that I could go over for the next year just reading them. Uh, people are coming out with pneumonia as soon as they get them. People are ending up in the hospitals with them. And some of those victims go back the next year because they're still so convinced with the propaganda from television and fictional novels and dramas on TV that that the medical establishment is the closest thing to the angels and God. So brainwashed. Propaganda will win over personal experience. Amazing, isn't it? 
I'll go to the phones now. I've got many articles I could read, but there's just too many, and an hour really flies by here. And there's Paul from Florida. Are you there, Paul? Hi, Alan. I was yeah. wondering if you could confirm a suspicion I had. In the late 1980s in the northwest United States, a number of white supremacist groups uh, began to sprout up, Aryan Nations or that sort of thing, and some writers. And uh, in the early part of the 90s, this is all before NAFTA came out, and after NAFTA came out, there was a more or less a backlash among the general population of a nationalist white su- uh, supremacist-type backlash, mm-hmm. and these groups became more into the fore. Do you think they were prepositioned there? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, when I was in Britain, there was a fantastic series on TV, on the BBC. It was filmed in the States, the U.S., and it was films from the 60s and 70s and documentaries, and it was raids on white supremacist uh, groups in the United States. And in one of them, it was quite fantastic because they had 240-odd guys in a big hall that they captured, the cops had captured them. And then they showed you at the end of the night, after they'd gone through all their names, they had only two suspects left out of the 240. The rest of them all belonged to other U.S. agencies that were provocateurs that were sent in to encourage the white supremacism. The two guys that they arrested were bums off the street that came in for a free coffee. Yeah, that, that uh, says it all. Um, one other point I'd just like to make was it was brought up a while, a couple, about a week ago, about small donations really providing a margin if a number of people make small donations. And in the 80s, I was with a grassroots organization. That's where I learned that it is the, the small donations. People think it doesn't make a difference, but if they sent you $5 a month or got on PayPal, that really would make a, a great difference. Yeah, it certainly would. It certainly would. I mean, people don't think about that. They think they're going to give larger amounts, but that's not how it would work at all. No, it's a big it's secret. Like have a few bucks coming in and nothing. Right. It's a big secret among grassroots organizations. It doesn't get out there. There's tremendous power among the, the individual, the silent majority. Yeah. But thank you, Alan. Uh, thanks for calling. Yeah, it's amazing the white supremacists, even as a bunch of special cops in, in Canada uh, that were getting trained with the U.S., to be SWAT teams, and they were caught in one of these uh, racist groups as well, and uh, and filmed as well, and exposed, but nothing, nothing really happened about it. It seems to attract that type, in fact, into it. Quite interesting. Uh, now, there's Amber in British Columbia. Are you there, Amber? Hello, Hello, Amber. Hi. Yes. Hi, how are you? I'm hanging in here. Good. Good, me too. Um... So, speaking of the needle, um, I can remember getting a booster shot when I was, who knows what age, and screaming bloody murder because, I don't know, I've always been kind of psychic and I probably knew there was something majorly wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> do you think people, um, like, can future generations of children just expect that or should people still keep having children and and just really take a stand on that or that, that's or, a hard well this is the whole it, it really is a hard question Be, I know now, it's up to the individual to decide for themselves but I just was wondering your opinion on that. that that's the key to it the key is the fact right now at this moment they're trying to get you to forego your right to choose 
And it really is a, a work by people simply forgoing their rights and not arguing back. I've got, I've got stuff here I'll maybe read tomorrow night given out to the medical professions telling them to, how to overcome patients' resistance to, to the inoculations that they want to give them. And it's pat answers and questions and answers, pat ones to overcome the resistance. It actually says to make them compliant. See, that's what they want, compliance. Now, how can they give you informed consent if they don't tell you both sides of the story, you see? And, and if they did give you informed, uh, the patient has to be informed, that surely means that you have the right to say yes or no. At the moment, they're going through the process of getting you used to the idea that you cannot say no, but truly we acquiesce again by our silence or just saying, well, okay. We have the right to argue and say no. When they give that up, they don't become routine. And once it's routine, it's common law that becomes normal law, it's legal law, and then it's mandatory. So right yeah. now, we can say, we can say no. Yeah. Right, right now, we can't say no? We can say no if we want to, we, yeah. We can? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Is it just routine? Is it just accepted? Because I know that it's just, you know, they count if you go to the doctors or the nurse, it's just something that, you know, they just... Yeah. Oh, they'll even tell they do you it, and you just take mandatory. it in trust, and you're like, okay. Yeah, they'll tell you like, often in hospital it's mandatory until you ask for the waiver sign, and then they'll tell you, well, it's not really mandatory. And they try everything to get what they want to make you compliant, including lying. That's common. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, I'll be back with more after these messages. through the matrix just to finish off what, what I was going to say with Amber there about inoculations now they're trying right now to get around uh, to coerce everyone into getting the, the inoculations including all the children and, and right up to the present you could have a wafer through religious reasons although they're banging that like crazy they always give you some fanatic in some country in the most outrageous circumstances and say he's a Jehovah's Witness or this or that or the other to, to make you think that you, you, you can't use religion, but you still can. And the other way, too, is to get a, a medical wafer, especially, say, if you have allergies in your family, because these inoculations can go rampant in you if you, if you are prone to various allergies. In fact, to be honest with you, anyone with any history in their family of severe allergies or arthritic conditions, these are all autoimmune problems, should be aware of them because these are live viruses they're putting into you and they can rampage through your body and cause incredible destruction. How, although to the eugenicists at the top, from their point of view, they're eliminating the unfit as you see it. That is pure eugenics. Remember that, keep that in mind. And uh, the other technique they're using now too is refusing children entrance into school or university. And at the same time, they make it illegal keep your child from the school. So there's a catch-22. They've got you right in the middle there. It's all done through coercion. And they also use the general population, the great masses again, who go along with everything to coerce those who are outside of it 
to go along with the same agenda. They always use the bulk of the populace who cannot think for themselves. That's why those who don't believe in democracy, who run the socialist system, because they are elitists, remember, will use democracy to ram laws through because they say, well, the masses don't mind. What's your problem? That's what they'll say to you. Everyone else accepted this. What's your problem? Now we'll go to Brandon in Florida now. Hey there, Brandon. Yes, I am. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, really want to thank you for your effort to help out us proles here. And, uh, you know, I'm not all sell pro, out. We're all proles at the bottom. Or I'd be wearing <laughs> a suit and tie and up there on stage at very big organizations like the UN. <laughs> yeah, and just thanks for not selling out to the reptoid people or, uh, for, um, you know, not letting these, uh, United Nations, whoever, uh, you're saying they, came and tried to offer you some money or some bribe or whatever. Yeah, they tried to get on board, and they even send you books to go peruse before they publish them to the general public, trying to get you in on the big glass domes and everything of the utopic future. <laughs> yeah. It's quite ridiculous. That they don't even care who's on their side. It's like, I mean, I oh, want to well, ask, actually, actually... It's worked very well in the past with most people. They're easily bribed into it, because most folk have a secret yearning to be better than others. <laughs> Yeah, and, and the only hope I can see is that um, these uh, elite at the top really don't care about each other. They don't have the compassion, so they will maybe, if they get too sloppy, once things get, they have too much control, they can, they will start fighting over the power. You see what I'm saying? A little bit. Yes, they, they tend. That's if see if, if they don't uh, run around in their jackboots, uh, and there's no one to order down below and have big wars and big social things happening across the world, upheavals, they'll have to turn on each other because what else can control freaks do? Yeah. Right, right. And that, that probably very hopefully will happen. It's happened in the past before and hopefully it will happen again. But they'll take a tremendous... I always say when titans fight, there's a lot of little people at the bottom get stomped on. The masses get stomped on, unfortunately. There's always more of us get knocked off in their battles than themselves. But thanks for calling. That's the music coming in for tonight, so that's the end of the show. So from Ontario, Canada, from Hamish and myself, Hamish is the dog. It's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.